69 nice degrees in my house, and I'm wearing a poncho, because why not? Also, uh, happy Halloween, y'all. I'm gonna do this first episode today, because it's during the day and I'm not doing anything. Anyway, <clears throat> let's get this going. The best part of doing a podcast is spreading knowledge. That, and there's no FCC intervention. Shit, we're fucked, y'all. Like, really fucked. Things are a goddamn mess, but it's gonna be fucking alright because we can learn from each other. Yeah, it's gonna be that kind of show. Speaking of the show, welcome to Red Leg Revolution, the podcast about community. A podcast about solidarity, about working together. My name is C-Dubs, a.k.a. Comrade Squirrel, Kamska, Carlito Ardia, but best known as Chuck. I've been an activist and community organizer for 20 years here in the heartland, Kansas City, and this ain't my first podcasting rodeo. This is my third rodeo, and I still strongly feel like that's an awfully low number of rodeos to be knowing what I'm doing. Ah, fake it till you make it, right? So... I've learned a lot since I've done my previous two podcasts, Hang Left and The Pot Shot. Did a Pot Shot was in 2010, so it's been a decade of me attempting to get y'all to listen to my propaganda and brainwash. I'm re-education, I mean information. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. So, welcome to our very first regular format show. I'm very happy to have you, and we're going to talk a bit about what's going on in the world and how we can make it better. So, this is our first episode, so it would be realistic to expect a lot of format changes as we go on. The first five or six episodes won't follow our usual uh, format so much. We're more of setting a scene. By starting with season two, probably dropping in the new year, 2021, 22, Jesus, it's not still 2020, 22, 2022, starting in uh, the new year in 2022, we'll have a similar format, but with less of me talking and laying groundwork and more of the guests that I bring on discussing their chosen topic and educating us with their knowledge. I'd like for this to be a weekly production since, let's be honest, we don't have any time left and we need to start this work now. And we have a lot to say. Boy, howdy, do we have a lot to say. We're going to talk about survival on this show. Survival now as we watch late-stage capitalism implode, as we watch openly fascist troopers and designer shirts march in the street, as we see another viral video of police brutality toward a person of color, as we watch the pandemic rage, and as we watch the globe heat up degree by degree, as we watch the world, well, burn. We're also going to talk about survival later, after all this inevitably plays out and a new society forms. Whether it's a fashy one full of warlords under a central totalitarian regime, or one that's built on community, solidarity, and love is yet to be seen. <clears throat> but this is not a doomsayer show. Yeah, the world is scary, the situation seems bleak, and yeah, our time is up, but I'm not in the business of scaring folks. I'm in the business of building hope, love, and solidarity. When we have that in our hearts, the end times look a lot less terrifying and a lot more promising. In the end, a revolutionary is guided by a great feeling of love. 
I'm paraphrasing Che Guevara, but it's true. Myself and all the activists, organizers, and members of your community who do what we do, well, we do it from a place of love, a great feeling of love, a revolutionary feeling of love. And that's what this podcast is about, love and survival. Because survival is love. Teaching each other how to survive is praxis. It's an actual act of love in action. When the grid falls, I want you all to eat. I want you all to feel as safe and secure as you possibly can. I want to know my comrades also know how to build a simple sustainable shelter or rig a solar panel or butcher a carcass or grow your own food. I want everyone to know how to repair an engine, purify their own water, and form their own networks of communities. I want you all to build communities. I want you to do that through building dual power, through solidarity, through action, and through love. In this process, you will free yourself, and thus your community, from the shackles of an amoral world. When the forests burn, and along with them your home, when you flee your coastal town due to the rising tide, when the supply chain breaks down and you can't find food in your city, when the grid fails and all is dark, when the sky is falling and everything seems hopeless, I want you to know I have your back, just like I know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that my community has mine. I want you to hold on to your hope. In the end, hope is all we have, and hope shall set us free. Usually, I intend to separate the show into two parts of a half hour, 45 minutes each, but today, we'll just kind of wing it. I want to set the stage. After all, we can't organize against catastrophic changes when we don't even know what's coming. So on our show today, and for the next few episodes, we'll be discussing how we got here. We'll discuss things like climate change, Nazis, extrajudicial killings by police, voting, economic downturn, pretty much every one of the roads that led us to the place we are today. But first, there is some quasi-required research. You don't have to listen to it, but it would definitely give you an idea of where I'm coming from. Check out Robert Evans' It Could Happen Here podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I'm openly shilling for Robert Evans. He's a brilliant journalist and has, like, the very best takes. Also, you either know about the machete sitting on my desk and why it's there, or you don't. But if you listen to Robert Evans, you'll understand. I mean, you can't record a proper podcast without a machete. Robert Evans does an excellent job with outlining the possibility of a second American Civil War in the first season of a show It Could Happen Here. It's definitely worth a listen, but I want to discuss the second season just recently released. In the first few episodes of the second season of It Could Happen Here, Robert Evans details how the climate catastrophe might play out. Given how his prognostications from 2018 regarding politics have partially come true to this day, I'm inclined to listen and probably believe the case he presents. But he's not a doomsayer either. He doesn't blackpill. He closes each session with the declaration of hope that we, working together, may overcome adversity and in the end find a better world than the one we currently live in. It will require sacrifice. It will require change. It will require hard work. It will re require the sharing of knowledge between skilled people. Hey, 
That's a niche I could fill. That's where we come in. Through my years working with the community, I've gotten to know many amazing people with many incredible talents and skills. There's Janie or Astley who run Urban Farms. There's Al the Butcher at my local meat market. There's a journeyman I worked with, Javier, who's my shooting and self-defense instructor. There's D Fresh, who's been everywhere protesting injustices. There's Baylor with the Mutual Aid Group. There's Maddie, who's one of my favorite inspirations. There's John the Crypto Guy, John the Communications Guy, John the Military Ops Guy, and John the Musician. Note, <clears throat> note, all names have been changed to protect the identities of these folks. Except John. Good luck figuring out which of the, like, million Johns I know that I'm actually referring to. Thing is, I know a lot of people. It has something to do with my Sagittarius son being in bipolar or something. Yeah, I, I made the joke, but don't, don't get all twisted up. I got my DSRM alphabet soup credentials. I've been diagnosed with type 1 bipolar disorder, ADHD, and PTSD. And luckily, I'm learning to cope and deal, because that's what we do. Neurodivergence, just learn how to uh, figure it out and move forward in a neurotypical world. So anyway, bottom line is, if I crack about my mental illness, that's what's going on, and I am not punching down at neurodivergent folk, uh, especially since I'm one of them. So anyway, I know a lot of people, and they all have, like each and every one of us, some skill or knowledge to help their community. In the second segment of our usual show, we'll talk to these people and let them teach us. We'll share our most valuable asset, knowledge. We'll discuss ways we can all work together as the world falls apart around us. We'll discuss urban farms, mutual aid, finding food, gun safety, water purification, sexual health, dealing with trauma, repairing shit, building shit, protesting shit, the best soup for my family recipes, and why organizing our communities is like our only hope. So anyway, a few years ago, I had an idea for a project. I wanted to do a series of community classes based on skill sharing. They would have covered almost everything listed above, including some other stuff like how to patch drywall so a landlord doesn't steal your deposit, or how to bend the bumper on the back of your car to obscure the fact that your plates have been out of date for a couple years. Uh, lots of cool skills that we all know how to exist under late-stage capitalism. Uh, they would have covered everything listed above, and I felt that was a good use of my unique skills and resources of connecting people and facilitating their lessons. Unfortunately, the logistical efforts of such an endeavor was more than one little squirrel could handle, and the idea got shelved, until I had people approach me about possibly doing a series of in-person seminars. That was a great inspiration for me to take the worker college idea and roll it out in podcast form. So, here we are. Usually in our first segment, we'll be discussing a little bit of current events. This isn't going to be a news show. I did two of those, hang left in the pot shot, but the effort of keeping up with the news is not something I can balance with life. Instead, we'll discuss what we think people should know about whatever, the latest virus mutation, the latest wildfire, the latest billionaire that went to space and didn't blow up. Seriously, Challenger went up there and blew up. Musk goes up there and doesn't. Tell me there is justice in this world. The first five shows, maybe six, are going to follow a different format than described, and also, because it's my show, I may change formats just randomly, because why not? Variety spice of life. 
But right now, like Robert Evans, I'm using the first few episodes to help set the stage, outline what some basic concepts are, and spin a central narrative that tie all future shows together. This is the primer course, if anyone wants to know about what we're about and why we're here. Finally, we're going to cover some basic history that covers into whatever we're talking about. So, let's get started. Uh, actually, let's do some commercials. Seems like some good old-fashioned buying and selling economic shit is the perfect way to lead up to what we're about to talk about and how we got here. So, uh, I'm gonna play some commercials, and since I don't have any official sponsors or anything yet, and these are companies that I like and believe in, you should definitely go participate in some, uh, commerce. We'll be right back. Deep in the swamps of Florida. Honey, is that a new plant? He dwells, waiting. Where did those seeds come from, honey? Silently. Oh my god, what is that thing? Sending seeds and stickers across the country. Ah! And spreading solidarity. Have you lost your mind, honey? We can't move to a sustainable commune in upstate New York. What's wrong with you lately? There's no stopping him. The mighty skunk ape is on Facebook, and he's on a mission. Anarchy! No! Coming to a post office box near you, the Skunk Ape Liberation Union. American Saga Season 1, Go West, Young Man, is now available on your favorite podcast networks. An American Saga is the revisionist historical fiction western by writer and podcaster Chuck Weissmiller, brought to you by 419 Media. Join 15-year-old Lucas Hawk as he is forced to flee the Wakarusa River Valley in 1850. Along the way, he meets Willie Washington, an escaped slave who's also on the run. They head toward California with dreams of great fortunes to be made, but will they make it to the gold fields? An American Saga artfully blends storytelling with historical events and characters, building a fully fleshed out world of the American frontier in an easy to follow narrative style. As Horace Greeley said, go west, young man, and listen to new episodes of An American Saga wherever you get your podcasts. Isn't that cool shit? Don't you, like, want to go and support podcasts or local organizations or maybe a record store? I hope so. They're good groups. Anyway, we're back. Look, let's not beat around the bush. If you haven't been tipped off by the logo, name, show description, any of the ways we're presenting to the world, this is a radical left-wing revolutionary podcast. To be more specific, this is essentially an anarchist cookbook for the ears, but with less bombs and more flower bulbs. Except loading shotgun shells with seeds, then we involve both guns and planting seeds. I can't wait to do that one. Anyway, my political philosophy leans more generally toward communism in theory, but seeing as though nobody's been able to pull off a fully communistic situation, 
without being interdicted by uh, the capitalist class, I tend to be more of an anarchist in practice. It's a bit easier to affect change in my community acting within myself and other anarchist groups. Basically, I don't think humans as a whole are ready for fully automated luxury space gay communism, but I think someday we will be. In the meantime, we need to practice anarchism as a way to bridge the gap between communism and whatever the hell this dumpster fire of an economic system we currently have is. I mention all this because I lay a lot of blame, if not all of it, at the feet of capitalism. Why is the world heating up? Capitalism. Why do we work all the time but have no money? Capitalism. Why do we feel alienated from our communities, our families, our friends, ourselves? Capitalism. You get my point. Almost every problem we're facing today either stems from that economic model or is at least seriously and greatly exacerbated by it. Racism's a good example. Racism existed before capitalism, but as soon as capitalism realized racism could be profitable, it made it a hell of a lot worse. I'm not going to try and cover 400 years of history in an hour or so show, nor will I demonstrate how capitalism has fucked literally everyone since its inception, but we're working on little bits for future shows where we explain how little policies and procedures and laws greatly screwed certain people and in the end, everybody. For now, I wanna focus on the poster child for the economic model that's fucking us all sideways. Let's talk about Ronald Reagan for a minute. I don't know how much you know about Ronnie Reagan. I guess it depends which side of the political spectrum your people fall on. He's either the savior of American capitalism, the scourge of the dirty reds, and a soft-spoken Hollywood icon, or you see him as the racist, homophobic, union-busting, hostage-trading, Taliban-birthing, hack of a B-list movie star that birthed the movie Bedtime for Bonzo. I'm willing to take money. You can't guess where I fall on that spectrum of what you think about Reagan. Anyway, Reagan dealt the critical hit, <laughs> rolled the natural 20 to American equality in oh so many ways. Look, we've had bastards of presidents before. They're all bastards in one way or another, except for Jimmy Carter. I mean, all presidents are bastards, but at least Carter seemed like a decent human. Anyway, Washington's false teeth were slave teeth. Grover Cleveland made up a whole fake Labor Day. Check out our Labor Day special. Lincoln suspended habeas corpus. Teddy Roosevelt was a racist. W knew about 9-11. Roosevelt had the internment camps, just like Donald Trump. Point is, if you're a president, you suck balls, by default. You cannot become president without sucking balls, by default. So, eat shit, presidents. Reagan eclipsed them all, though. You know why Fox News can go tell outright lies on network cable? That's because Ronald Reagan ended the Fairness Doctrine, which specified that both sides of an issue must be presented equally. Before 1987, when the Reagan FCC ended the Fairness Doctrine, Fox News couldn't exist under their current structure of peddling horse paste and misinformation. They would have had to dedicate equal time for an opposing viewpoint. Before Reagan, people weren't bombarded with a constant barrage of one-sided propaganda. Trump let 600,000 Americans die from COVID-19 by his denials and inaction. 
Let's talk about the thousands of gay men who Reagan let die. From an editorial by Walt Oditz, July 22, 2019, quote, by the end of his presidency in 1989, Reagan had done nothing of substance and the United States had suffered 89,343 deaths. The death rate was still rapidly rising and more than 300,000 would be dead before the epidemic came under better control seven years later. Stigma had triumphed and the death toll of young gay men was the fruit of its labor." End quote. Reagan was genocidal in, in his indifference to the gay community, straight up. Not to mention this administration stoked irrational homophobia in regular Americans with a lot of their stances. Reagan also secretly negotiated to keep the hostages in Beirut until he was, after he was sworn in, traded arms to anti-communist forces, which gave us rise to the Taliban, and flooded the streets of America with crack to fund the Contras. Ronald Reagan was a piece of shit, and I will temporarily believe in hell just to imagine him sitting in it. You know what? Let's, let's take a second. Let's all take a second, close your eyes, like you're meditating, and just imagine Ronald Reagan burning in hell. Go on. You enjoy it. It's a nice little Halloween treat. It's been a stressful day, and you deserve a little Reagan in hell as a treat. Okay, let's bring it back. Reagan was also an economical piece of shit. You know why union membership in America is at an all-time low, yet approval of unions is at an all-time high? That's another one of Ronnie's legacies. When the air traffic controllers union went on strike, he broke their work stoppage and the power of unions in one fell blow. Poof. Gone. Gone were the good union jobs as business conglomerated and consolidated their power, influence, and market share. Which was probably a good thing for those businesses, since they also began to ship all their good union jobs they could or overseas. Here in America, we have these pesky things like labor laws, pollution controls, and other assorted requirements that made it a hell of a lot cheaper to make things in the global south. As the good jobs were outsourced, the rich got richer. Ever heard the phrase supply-side economics? Probably not, because you're not a nerd recording a podcast about how Ronald Reagan was the devil. So let me tell you, supply-side economics is the theory behind trickle-down economics. You know, where the ruling class pisses down your neck and you feel it trickle down your back? Reagan was a big proponent of supply-side economic policy, which figured into his policies of lowering taxes, decreasing regulation, and promoting fair trade. Now, thing about fair trade, fair trade can be a good thing, if you're getting like coffee and you're making sure that the producers of said coffee are getting a living wage uh, and support and such, it also usually means you're getting a better quality product. But then there's fair trade, which is let's send all our good jobs to a country that has no regulations. That, that I'm not such a fond of. So. <clears throat> So this is a big part of how we got here. He began the modern trend of lowering tra taxes for the rich in 1981, and once he got the ball rolling, it didn't stop. Further, his other policies of decreasing regulation and promoting the outsources of jobs made, made sure the dwindling middle class died completely within 20 years after his tenure. His policies, called Reaganomics by his posse and voodoo economics by people who weren't Reagan stands, called, caused a lot of this. Satan rolled back all sorts of stuff, and along the rollback in regulations came precedents for future presidents to do the exact same thing. 
Looking at a chart from the NOAAclimate.gov website, we see that ocean temperatures begin to rise steeply after 1990. Now, here's the weird thing. Reagan actually believed in global warming. Reagan listened to the science of his day in terms of at least respecting it as something being presented by experts. But like many other presidents, he did nothing about it downplayed it slightly, but not to the degree we would see in the 90s and early 2000s. The precedents that Reagan set were followed by all presidents to this day. The precedents that Reagan set was followed by all presidents to this day. President Corn Pop says he's dedicated to fighting climate change, but hasn't advocated for a Green New Deal nor has the threat of global annihilation stopped his administration from approving new pipelines. There's a goddamn oil executive in his cabinet, for Christ's sakes. Regardless of whether or not a president claims to fight climate change and whether or not their policies reflect that across the board are two separately and completely different beasts. I have yet to see a president who aligned their policy with their rhetoric. Obviously, I'm oversimplifying things. It's not a Joe Rogan show, though. I'm not going to go on for 16 hours listing every problematic issue from our past. It's been a process, and every step of the way was paved by capitalism. And fucking Ronald Reagan. Let's take a break, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about shit. Voting! Yeah, yeah. Go buy some shit. Capitalism sucks, but Revolution Records, Kansas City's old-school record and bookstore, is part of my community. When I'm in Kansas City and need a book or a copy of a local band's album, I go to Revolution Records. Revolution has a great selection of posters, books, records, tapes, and zines. Plus, they repair music and sound gear. That's pretty dope. Most importantly, Revolution Records is part of the community beyond being a small business. The staff does a great job maintaining an inclusive, accepting, and respectful atmosphere, and they also are active in making Kansas City a better place. Community fundraisers, workshops, events, and meetings all have taken place at Revolution Records, and that's just the stuff I was involved in. So the next time you need a new record to spin or your speaker breaks, go check out Revolution Records, located 1830 Locust Street, Kansas City, Missouri, or at revolutionrecordskc.com. American Saga Season 1, Go West, Young Man, is now available on your favorite podcast networks. An American Saga is the revisionist historical fiction western by writer and podcaster Chuck Weissmiller, brought to you by 419 Media. Join 15-year-old Lucas Hawk as he is forced to flee the Wakarusa River Valley in 1850. Along the way, he meets Willie Washington, an escaped slave who's also on the run. They head toward California with dreams of great fortunes to be made, but will they make it to the gold fields? An American Saga artfully blends storytelling with historical events and characters, building a fully fleshed out world of the American frontier in an easy to follow narrative style. As Horace Greeley said, go west, young man, and listen to new episodes of An American Saga wherever you get your podcasts. We're back. Let's talk about the electoral system now. I've got a whole show written up about this. It goes a lot more in-depth, and I'm probably going to piss off some of my more 
liberal listeners, I'm sorry, but we need to, like, get some things straight. I don't believe voting works. Voting is a cop-out, and the way our electoral systems are structured, they're inherently undemocratic. Let me explain. First off, our entire system is based off a document written by a bunch of dudes that owned people, and we haven't given it an update in forever. It seems to me that a system invented by a bunch of dudes, rich white dudes especially, who thought black people weren't humans is probably flawed inherently, but that's just my take. We built a house on a shaky foundation to begin with. You can't repair a house on a shaky foundation. You have to tear it down and build a solid foundation. As a carpenter, I'm saying, as, as a carpenter. Secondly, the two-party system is also inherently undemocratic, and I think we all know it. This is why third-party candidates are seen as laughable long shots, because they are. In most states, you can't get state-matched funding until you hit a certain voting threshold in the previous election. And while you may run as a third-party candidate, who decides whether or not your party is valid enough to even make the primary ballot, let alone the general ballot? A two-party appointee whose ultimate allegiance is to maintaining the status quo. Not to his office, not to his people, not to his country, not to his citizen, to his party and maintaining the status quo. The access to funding, ballots, airtime, etc. is withheld from third-party candidates, while simultaneously these alternative individuals are coerced into adopting one of the lesser evils and co-opting their original platform. Whew. Shit, that was a dry bit of political jargon. Fart. There. That's better. Levity. Now, here's some more political jargon. America doesn't have to form multi-party coalitions that might force actual changes. Instead, we get bipartisanship, where they take turns playing good cop, bad cop. The two-party system allows Democrats to use Republicans as a cudgel to force votes into their tent. The Republicans do the exact same thing, albeit with a completely different demographic. They both offer the illusion of choice, and that's the only choice we get in America. We have no true selection here, just the illusion of selection. We've invaded other countries for less, and that's a big problem. I'm not a Democrat. I haven't been since, like, what, 2011? I voted for Barack Obama in 2008, but after his first four years in office, with the drone strikes and bailouts, the pipelines and Occupy, not to mention the joke that got passed that we call Obamacare, I couldn't vote for him again. I wasted my vote for a third party. In 2012, when offered the Wall Street-backed option, I wrote in Bernie Sanders. Did the same thing in 2016. And before y'all accuse me of giving you Trump, I lived in Johnson County, Kansas in 2016, and the county went 96% for Trump. It wouldn't have mattered. It never matters because we have the Electoral College, but y'all ain't ready to have that conversation. Anyway, I digress. In 2020, I voted Democrat for the last time in my life as I was extorted into voting for Corn Pop. I say extorted because that's what it was. You want four more years of Trump? Sounded a lot like, nice country you got here. Be a shame if something fascist happened to it. Not to even mention that Biden will take the pandemic seriously. Yeah, how's that working out for y'all? 
Y'all parents enjoying our $250 once a month check, and that's just for low-income parents, not for everybody. Yeah, we awesome job on the pandemic. You know, more people dying than were a year ago, but it's okay because they're they're anti-maskers and Trump fans. Like the morals there too. I'm gonna stop myself before I go way off on that. Two-party system is a sham. So is our justice system. I don't have time to go into it here, but hanging chads, y'all. Hanging chads. Further, voting never brings the changes we need. We ask for universal health care. We got a tax penalty for not having health care, and still we're hassled by private insurers. We ask them to defund the police. So they sent more cops to the street. They sent them more money. We said tax the rich. We got Citizens United. Even the legislative changes we've gotten in the annals of history came from the dedication of ordinary people who finally made enough noise that the politicians had to listen, not the politicians themselves. Things like basic labor rights, not having kids work in mines, an eight-hour workday, overtime, suffrage for women, suffrage for uh, African Americans, for indigenous people, environmental regulations. None of this happened because politicians are good people and wanted to do what was right for us. It happened because regular people who were being affected were like, no, you know what? Fuck this. We ain't going to take it anymore and kept making noise until the only alternative was, well, uprising. So they listened. So don't give politicians credit. I don't care what politician, what side of the fence. Ultimately, you're giving them credit for doing the job they're supposed to do. I'm not okay with that. You do the base. If you go above and beyond, cool. We'll talk about, hey, celebrating you. But if you're literally going to make your constituents' lives better, that's what we fucking elected you for. I'm getting a bit more into it as I'm getting into this. So uh, forgive me. Anyway, voting is the most minor thing we can do for our community. And everyone acts like it's an end-all, be-all. That's another big problem with voting. Civic engagement isn't voting. Voting is part of civic engagement, but it is not civic engagement. It's so much more. Voting is such a small part of it. Go vote if you want. Like, I'm all about it. I'm here for it. But don't pretend like that's all you have to do. And no, shaming non-voters doesn't count. For the love of God, stop pretending that voting is ultimately going to make a difference. And stop blaming people who choose not to vote in a corrupt system as we just laid out, because either way, you're endorsing murder, you're endorsing genocide, you're endorsing exploitation, because they all work for the same companies. You've got a lot more to do than voting. But don't worry, we're here to help. That's what the show's about. So that's a, that's a few chapters of the prologue to the shitty story we currently find ourselves in. That's some of why we got here. We'll go more in-depth in future episodes, but that's probably a good wrap-up for this part of the episode. So, who wants to abruptly pivot? Let's talk about some history. The term red legs came into popularity during the bleeding Kansas era. Given this show is based out of Lawrence fucking Kansas, it's almost a requirement to know something about the history of the town. And for those of you who ain't from here, we're going to talk about it a bit. So I assume y'all know the Civil War started right here in the middle of the map, right? Not in the north and the south, but what was then the west, the frontier, the indigenous land. 
We hadn't colonized the continent all the way to the other ocean yet, since we were busy committing other national atrocities. And that's why the war popped off. How would the new, air quote, new frontier be balanced to maintain the Union? There was heated debate about whether or not the new territories would be slave states or free states, and it was eventually decided that the people of those states would ultimately decide. This started a race between pro-slavers looking to expand their peculiar institution and free soilers who wanted to thwart them. Side note, thwart sounds like a wet fart. <laughs> kind of like any lost cause argument, but that's... So I'm going to use Wikipedia as a reference point on this show at various times for a few reasons, despite the inherent issues that come along with that platform. First off, I'm not a journalist nor a full-time podcaster. I simply don't have the free time between my real life and everything else to do a well-researched article each week. I failed at my last shows because I took on too much, so I'm cheating where I can. Secondly, I don't want to do your research for you. I just want you all to be aware of what things are, and Wikipedia is usually a good collection of sources at the footnotes. You can't cite Wikipedia as a source on a college paper, but a lot of times the references come from actual peer-reviewed, scholarly-reviewed stuff, so worth checking out. And also, despite my issues with the central authority being able to censor information, I can't think of any collective endeavor that contains almost the entirety of common knowledge that wasn't burned down before Christ did his whole resurrection thing. So yeah, I'm going to use it as often as I need to, at least until I find a volunteer who wants to research and footnote the show. I encourage you all to check the footnotes out on each article and do your own research. I, I'm going to try to get off Wikipedia for references as we get deeper in, but these first few episodes, it's just a lot easier than going in depth and reading a whole bunch of books to have legit sources. So anyway, from Wikipedia. The question of whether Kansas was to be a free or a slave state was, according to the Compromise of 1850 and the Kansas-Nebraska Act, to be decided by popular sovereignty, that is, by a vote of the Kansans. The question of who were the Kansans who were eligible to vote ended up causing armed conflict called the Bleeding Kansas Period. As anyone on either side of the border knows, the pro-slaver Missourians were bushwhackers and the free staters were Jayhawks. That's where Kansas University gets its mascot. What many people who aren't from around here don't know is that the Jayhawkers were also called redlegs due to the stockings they wore as a uniform. The redlegs were the militant abolitionists. When Osawatomie John Brown came to Kansas, it was the redlegs who supported his cause. And we're going to talk a lot about Preacher Brown and his Kansas expedition on this show. We're going to do a whole mini-series of episodes on John Brown, the Border War, Bleeding Kansas, and how that's all still relevant today. But for now, just know we're carrying on a tradition. That tradition of bearded maniacs who think we ought to do whatever it takes to end inherently evil institutions. See, we're abolitionists here. We believe in the abolition of police, of private prisons, of a rigged system against working people, against a handful of companies behaving like supervillains and poisoning us in the name of limitless profits, of institutional racism, patriarchy. Basically, I'm calling for the abolition of capitalism. I'm calling for the abolition of hierarchy. I'm calling for the abolition of this entrenched system of oppression. John Brown is one of my personal heroes, both as a modern-day abolitionist as well as a Lawrence, Kansas native. 
yeah, he was probably a little insane, but those who are crazy enough to attempt to change the world oftentimes do. I like to think we're crazy enough to see a change in the world, so I see a kindred spirit in old preacher Brown. Before we move on, allow me to share my favorite Reverend Brown quote. Quote, these men are all talk. What we need is action. Action. End quote. So there's the red leg part. It's not exactly chopping slave owners with broadswords or taking over a federal arms outpost, but we all got to start somewhere, right? I think the revolution part is self-explanatory. I want to foment a revolution of how we think about society. I want a revolution of concepts, a revolution of ideas, a revolution of the entire zeitgeist. I want a better world, and I don't think that's possible without drastically reshaping our thinking. Bring the point back home. There's obviously a lot of things to be scared about. Global warming, forest fires, climate change, rising sea levels, Nazi thugs roaming the streets, a large segment of the population openly endangering their community by not wearing masks or getting vaccinated. Basic reproductive rights are being restricted at an alarming pace. The ending of pandemic benefits, uh, all the pandemic stuff, when the pandemic's still going on, the ever-present threat of personal economic ruin, it, it all goes on and on and on. But that's not what we want you to take away from today. Today, we want you to understand that solidarity is our only answer. The tagline for our show, our only hope is each other. And there's a reason that that's our tagline. I firmly stand behind that succinct phrase, which sums up our predicament. Yeah, the world is fucked, but if we work together, that could end up being a good thing. If we practice things like working together, openly communicating with one another about our common plight as we build our communities, if we share our skills, our resources, and our knowledge, we can build a better future for everyone. In the next episode, we'll be discussing exactly that, building dual power within your community through the glory of mutual aid. So thank you for listening to the very first regular episode of Red Leg Revolution. I appreciate you all being here, and hopefully this grows into something that we can all utilize and have and learn and grow together and make a better world. Um, I try to do these every week. Uh, I'm hoping to get on more of a regular production schedule. I think the next few episodes shouldn't be such an issue. Uh, I've got the people already lined up. And so it shouldn't be a problem. I hope to have some guests on for the next couple episodes, and we will see what we're doing. So, uh, yeah, marketing and stuff. Like us, share us, subscribe to us, let your friends know about us, let your enemies know about us, let everyone know. Shout from the mountaintops. I mean, I don't know how well shouting out hyperlinks is going to work, but go for it. Um, so, yeah. We are on Anchor FM, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, most places you get your podcasts. If there's a service we're not on and you are, definitely let me know. I will see about getting us listed. If you want to follow our socials, we are on Facebook and YouTube at Red Leg Revolution. We are at Twitter at Red Leg Pod. And we are currently working on a website, which is still being beta, beta tested. So hopefully we will get that going soon. So 
Thanks for y'all for listening. You are incredible comrades. I'm happy to have you, and I look forward to continuing on and doing this. Remember, our only hope is each other. Fuck Ronald Reagan. Be moving, starring in. What the hell is a bedtime for Bongo?